0: Welcome to the Experiencing Joy in Jesus Christ podcast. I'm Brother Webb. And I'm Brother Anderson, excited for today's journey of joy. Let's go! Hey everyone, this episode is being published on April 24th, which is a Monday. We're not usually publishing on Mondays, and we apologize that it's been a minute since we have had an episode come out with that being said this is worth the wait this week's episode is um a couple a married couple emily and aaron are interviewed by Braden, and it is so good you guys the the way that emily and aaron are able to articulate their experience um puts words to a lot of feelings that i've had before as well as i know many of you will so i you'll love the way they think the way they interact with each other the way their gifts and talents have supported their relationship and how they've come from very different backgrounds and yet they complement each other so well so really grateful for this episode and the way that it's going to bless people just encourage you to share this uh, on any social media to get this out there because the more people that can hear emily and aaron's experience the better it will be Um, they're just so insightful and really help us understand how to experience joy in jesus christ hope you love this episode
1: all right welcome on out everyone back to the experiencing the joy of jesus christ podcast Um, as always before we dive into this episode we'd like to remind all of our listeners where to connect with us Um, on our instagram page and our whatsapp which um, all the details for that will be in the show notes Um, we are very fortunate to be joined today by two guests who mean a lot to me um, emily king and aaron halsell they are good friends of mine great people and they have very unique backgrounds um, especially relating to their um, journeys with faith and with the gospel and i'm excited to hear their diverse perspectives and how they come together. Um, so Emily and Aaron, welcome. Is there anything you would like to tell us about yourself? Maybe um, your journey, how you met, anything, just a little, quick little intro about yourself?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, happy to be here, Braden. Uh, my name is Aaron. Um, Braden and I actually met on our mission in Florida, Tallahassee, which, so, you know, process of elimination. He was responsible for um, Emily and I meeting and eventually being married. So we owe a lot of our happiness. Well, I, I know I owe a lot of my happiness to Brayden, because of Emily. and she, um, I was born in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, my dad grew up on the rougher side of the city. Um, if you can imagine, like the story of Karate Kid was basically the story of his life. Uh, and he wanted to give us a little bit of a different experience than the one he got. So we we moved to a really small town on the outskirts of Utah in the middle of nowhere. Um, And things about me is like, um, you know, rule number one, I guess, is you don't talk about Fight Club, but I can break that cardinal rule. I did grow up. uh, The Karate Kid story wasn't an exaggeration. My dad ran a dojo, which was um, our livelihood as well as our lives. So it's not really hard to imagine that I'm a huge nerd. Um, I love books and all the nerdy things that come along with uh, that culture, but that That was one of the first reasons why Braden and I th- uh, Braden thought that Emily would be a good match for me is because we both like books, and she's an author. Uh, and in in my life right now, I, I do feel like I am a convert to the church of twenty one, convert of sorts. And, and I do feel a bit of a, a late bloomer in life sometimes. I'm getting ready to graduate a tech college uh, as a web developer. um I'm twenty eight years old now, so I fall in that awkward category of I am still a young adult or I've graduated being a young adult, I guess. I'm not, uh, young enough to be hip, but I'm not old enough to be considered wise. So right in the weird, awkward stage of existence that so many of us going into Institute are at. Uh, and that's who I am.
3: Um, I am Emily and I have two little sisters. They are my whole life and my whole world. I love them so much. And all of, um, my life has been about having fun with them <laughs> or finding things to do with them. Um, but I am also a huge nerd. We are big fans of things in our house. We I just love to love things. I love to find things to be excited about. And we love stories and movies and books and video games and all the things. We just like to have a lot of fun. So Erin um, and I have been married about two and a half years almost. We're about to hit that mark. Um, which has been so fun. We're just two kids that found each other, thanks to Braid. And we just spend all of our time goofing off and having a lot of fun. So I work customer service and then I spend a lot of time with my family too. So it's
1: good. Well, thank you both for those introductions. Um, As you may know from listening to previous episodes, the theme of this podcast is learning how different young adults experience the joy of Jesus Christ. So that's always the first question we like to ask our guests. Um, So for each of you, how do you define joy in Jesus Christ and how do you experience it? How do you find it and experience it?
3: Um, For me, I would say joy has been something that has kind of eluded me my whole life or has seemed very intense or scary or unreachable or for whatever reason, it has been something happiness and joy and those ideas have been something that have kind of scared me. Um, And so when it comes to the gospel where it's all about joy and happiness at the end of it, um, sometimes even still I I struggle with that sometimes because sometimes it feels too big or too hard to manage. Um, So when I was thinking about this and how I define joy in Jesus Christ and how I have finally come to experience it in a positive way and in a good way that actually does bring joy, um, I think that when I've been stripped down to like, My barest bones and pushed to the very limits and really kind of been undone. I think we all have times in our life that we will experience that where we become undone kind of as a human being and so much of what we thought we knew about ourselves or about the world is kind of scrapped and you have to start over and really decide like what do you know, who are you, what do you think, all those kinds of things. Um, And I feel like when that happened to me and has happened to me a couple times Um, I feel like the true things that I only really understand or that I still hang on to at that point is pain and love. Those are the only two things that I feel like I really always have with me or always can understand um, and deal with. And for a long time that made me feel lonely and feel alienated and I felt like Christ wasn't for me, the atonement wasn't for me. Um, or even wondered at the possibility that there wasn't atonement or that any of this even was real or had a new place in my life. And to me, Christ was kind of this stoic, like holier than thou, this perfect savior. Um, if he was real, he wasn't somebody that was accessible to me, not somebody that would ever dine to lower himself to my standards, care about me, talk to me, um, or anything like that. And so the atonement or finding joy in him was just not something that I was interested in or that seemed like would work well for me or my life. Um, but I started to understand over the years that true joy comes from having the right idea of Christ. Um, this whole time I had this wrong idea. I was so wrapped up in perfection and he's perfect. And so he would hate me because I'm so imperfect. And why, why would that work? Um, But a few years ago, I had a really cool experience that was a real kind of eye-opener for me, where I realized that I had this idea all wrong and that at the end of it, Christ is my brother. Before he saved me, before he was my redeemer, before he was perfect, he was my brother. And as I said, I have two little sisters and being a sibling is the most important thing to me and always has been. And so that really struck with me that he is my brother first and foremost, and that changed everything for me. I realized that he is attainable he's just like my sibling he's somebody that I can turn to that I can call to anytime anywhere and he's there for me and so once I started viewing him as my brother and my friend I found so much joy in that relationship because I love to love and I love to have loving relationships in my life and he's just one on the list of somebody that I can check into somebody that I get to know and talk to and that cares about me um kind of like how I listen to my sister's favorite album because I know it's important to her so we can talk about it. Or I call my grandma to see how she's doing. I feel like I do things with Christ. Um, and I find a lot of joy in that relationship. And I feel like he and I connect really well for that reason, because he understands true pain and he understands true love. Um, and that's where we can really come together. And so I find joy in having him as a friend.
2: That's, that's very good. I I feel like Emily's got a real, she's always really helped me understand having a connection with Jesus Christ in that way, in the relationship uh, type facet, because um, I don't know, I I think there's a lot of, a lot of things that I, growing up outside of the church, a lot of cultural things that as someone coming into the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's a lot of like, um, a lot of weight that you don't carry. With your perspective of Christ, that a lot of people born into the church in, in our generation, they seem to be holding on to this weight that I is is a little foreign to me, um, and it's really helps me understand like what is a relationship with Christ because I've got a deep and abiding love for what I call theologies. You know, you got theology, mythology, etymology. I love it when you get complicated. And Joseph Smith talks about uh, there's a quote. It's one of my favorite favorite that he says, "Thy mind, O man." if thou wilt lead a soul into salvation, but stretch as high as the utmost heavens and search into and contemplate the darkest abyss and the broad expanse of eternity. And that was what fascinated me. And I just, I loved these ideas of this gospel that was cosmic, this gospel that took place before and after this world. And, And it really interested me in how it related to other religion, how it could encompass all religions and find truth in every single like human experience, and that it was a story of the human experience. But for all of my reaching and stretching, um, I think the hardest part for me in defining the joy of Jesus Christ is remembering how simple it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, remembering, the, there's another Joseph Smith quote that's equally important to me, despite the fact that I want to look into the broad expanse of eternity and contemplate this dark abyss, Joseph Smith, like a lot of prophets do, equated the gospel to a tree. And he said, when understanding the gospel, cling to the trunk. And for me, that is Jesus Christ. And that's hard because I want it to be this broad, larger-than-life thing, but the reality is it's this person who can give you another chance. And it all comes down, my joy is in hope. And in the gospel, hope is not passive or uh, almost in our day-to-day modern usage of the term, Hope is almost like a negative. It's almost like, well, I hope tomorrow's okay. It's almost doubtful, wherein any missionary knows from, like, the handbooks that we read about hope and is that it's confidence, it's optimism, it's enthusiasm and perseverance. It's, it's even beyond faith. It's hope that I can be tomorrow something else that I am today. Jesus Christ gives me an opportunity to be different and to me, that's so positive. I love change. I love the idea that, and it's hard for me to grasp it sometimes too, because unlike other people who think like, I, I don't, Christ doesn't think I deserve this. I tend to think like, I don't know how he can do this. I don't deserve, I don't want it to be this easy. I want it to be hard. I deserve it to be hard. You know, repentance, change, but it is so easy. And, and even in, Going back to that etymology nerd thing, the Hebrew word for sins, one of their words is hata. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but it means to miss the mark, essentially. It's an archery term. And repentance simply means to re-aim. So all Christ is doing is saying, look, you missed your shot. Here's another one. Here's another arrow. Try again tomorrow. And that is joy for me. The ability to re-aim every day, to be 1% better tomorrow, 1% kinder. 1% more of a hard worker, 1% more like Christ. That is the atonement to me. I know a lot of people will say the at one moment, like becoming like Christ. I love the idea that I don't have to stay who I am. And that for me is joy, that I'm not stuck, that I'm constantly moving. That's how I find joy and how I experience it.
1: Wow, thank you both so much for those answers. Um, Aaron, what you were saying reminded me of, in the Bible dictionary, it actually defines repentance as a change of mind, a fresh view about God, about oneself, and about the world. And so it's interesting to see that you have joy in finding that fresh view, whereas I think a lot of people want to be kind of stuck where they were and don't want to go through that process of finding the fresh view. Um, And Emily, what you were saying about finding the right idea of Christ and who Christ is, um, I think when we talk about all the titles of Christ, I don't think brother is one that often is talked about enough so thank you for highlighting that um you both kind of hinted a little bit about your backgrounds with your faith journeys um i'd love to dive into that a little bit more i know aaron you said you were a convert and emily you had a lot of ups and downs um can you just give us a little rundown about your faith journeys and um how you got to where you are
2: yeah of course um and I love that Emily is the perfect foil for me in my life. Like she, in many ways, has had the opposite experience. And, and I'll, I, I, a little later, we could talk about how that has shaped me and how that has helped me grow. But it's even her idea that like she's viewed the savior. I love that with a new face, a new look, a new, a new definition of who he is to her. So that's awesome. Um, and myself, I guess I have a unique upbringing. I, don't, I didn't know it at the time it didn't feel very nuanced. I think that everybody thinks like, well, my testimony, my experience, my conversion, that's nothing special. And then once other people hear about it, you don't realize you, whoever out there listening to this, you have something unique. For me, it was, my parents were members of the church, but um, my uh, extended family had some bad experiences, also had some disagreements with what they considered to be doctrine at the time. And we were so we were raised outside of the church. We, I was never baptized. Um, I lived, it was great though. I I had an angel of a mother who truly never inactive in her life. She gave me a love of all things spiritual since I was a little kid. Um, And I grew up in a house with two brothers, six cousins who are like siblings to me. That's one of the reasons that I love Brayden and Emily is that they too are like siblings, though they're cousins, that they understand and get that family connection that I had. And I'm so grateful for. Um, and I am grateful for the opportunity to have been raised without the cultural expectations, I guess, that a of, the, of I'd say that a lot of people have raised within the church. I don't think it's something the church itself is meant to give people or the gospel really has anything to do with, but it's these expectations that people get that these are the things I need to be. I need to be on a mission by the time I'm 18. I need to be perfect at my callings. I need to be um, someone who reads their scriptures every day, I need to have the best words when I bear my testimony. They have these ideas that I just, I don't have. I I. That's not what the gospel was for me. For me, I saw the church as kind of a bureaucracy and kind of an organization. A lot of people who have gone away from the church have felt hurt by the fact that the church is so, somewhat of a company because they have to take care of people. Um, and on my mission, I, I'm so grateful for the chance to have seen why why it's operated that way and how they help people. Um, when the hurricane came in, Braden was there for that, Hurricane Michael in Florida. Suffice to say, back back to my own journey, um, it really was that story that Eller Holland tells about him and his son being lost and on their way home, they find a fork in the road and they pray about which way they should go and they take the wrong road and they have to double back. They realize it's a dead end and they wonder why did we feel so inspired to go the wrong way and the reason they come to realize was because if they hadn't it was they would have wondered the entire time on the way home did we make the right choice so sometimes being inspired to make the wrong choice is the quickest way to find the right choice and that was for me i i made some friends who had my points of views who said uh, who had some disagreements with the church or who 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 hated that expectation that the church had, and it it was feeling far away, and standing afar off from the church. I, I felt I was standing far off, kind of like the publican in the in the story of the publican and the Pharisee. The Pharisee feels he's so close to God. I felt so far away, and feeling that far away is funny enough. What made me feel like I belonged because I needed something. I needed something beyond myself. I felt alone, Um, and I I. I had friends. It's not that it wasn't people. It was my principles felt lonely. If that makes sense, I felt that my principles were empty in the end of the day. And I felt like when I came to the church and the gospel, yes, I I knew a Christ. I believed in a God. But now I understood what that God wanted me to be, and what Christ wants me to become. So I joined the church. I was baptized. Um, I had some great um influences, but really uh it was just small invitations of people who said, Hey, do you want to come to church with me? They never thought anything more of it. For me, it was that idea that I could be something more than myself, more than I was, and that life could be bigger than I was making it. So I was I came into the church and it was interesting. It was interesting to see this culture of people. I mean I remember the the question at the MTC or the Missionary Training Center. Like they asked you know, okay, introduce yourself. What are your parents' callings? where did you go to college? Um, you know, where did, where did they serve their missions? I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't have anything to say to this. Like, so it is interesting that when you, when you don't fit into that mold, I can see how people feel like I'm too different. I don't belong. But for me, that difference, that, that uniqueness made me feel special. It made me feel like God's got a place here even for me. Where, whether you are the Pharisee or whether you are the publican, he's got a place for you in his kingdom. And I felt that inclusion, no matter wh- where I was or who I was, I could learn this and I was special for it. And, I, and that that was kind of my story. That was my, my faith story. I, I think the most important principle is that the idea that what I thought I was doing was right, being outside of the church and having those friends that led me there. I thought I was serving a greater power, serving God. And I realized the fastest way just through my own experiences that this, this is not it. This is not how life's supposed to be. I felt inspired to go do this, but I understand now that that was just to lead me back to where I was meant to be, if that makes sense.
1: Emily.
3: For me, it is kind of interesting that we did in some ways have opposite, um, starts. Um, I was, Born in Utah County. I was born as entrenched as you could possibly be when it comes to quote unquote Mormon life or um, the bubble that sometimes people talk about that um, Utah County specifically can be. And I loved it. I was born and raised. I come from a descendant of um, lots of people who were strong in the faith. My ancestors crossed the plains. Like it is in my blood to be a Latter day Saint from top to bottom. And so that was my entire personality, too. Um, growing up, I was very shy. I wasn't very good at many things. Um, I was really good at school, but once I got into college, I realized I was never really that smart. I was just really fast reader and really good at taking tests. That became very apparent once I actually had to learn something that I actually wasn't that smart. And so growing up, I really struggled with an identity of who am I and what am I even good at? And the only things that I could ever really come down to, and I have so many journal entries about it, is I can be a good sister, and I'm good in the gospel, and those are the only talents that I have. And so it was my entire thing, and um, I loved it so much. I had huge countdowns to general conference, I would do all of these things for church and everything, and I, I loved it with my whole heart, and I believed it with my whole heart. And um, I think there will come a point for everybody, or there has, where um, you kind of... For me, it, I chose it and I loved it, but I had never been in an opportunity where I really had to choose it. All of my friends were members, um, everybody around me, like there was never anything that kind of went against that or was ever um, um, uh, in opposition to it, I guess is what I mean. And so I was part of it, but I wouldn't say that I um, really chose it, not really looking back. And, um, I had such a devout faith that in the scriptures and in these stories, I've loved stories my whole life. And so I knew all of the scripture stories and I knew what they meant to me. And, um, when things finally got hard for me, when everything hit the fan, so to speak, and almost, I say almost because there were some tender mercies now that I can look back and see years later, but almost everything that could have gone wrong in my life went wrong in every single aspect Um, And I was only 15. I was really young and I just could not understand this and for a while I I wasn't even scared because I was like, well, it's like a scripture story. It's like Nephi like Something bad happens and then a couple verses later you say a prayer and then the angel comes and everything is fine And I really thought that I was owed that as somebody my whole life who had had done this and so when things just kept getting worse and uh, My family fell apart. My personal relationships fell apart. My sense of self fell apart and no angel came and there was no miracle. And it felt like really God had abandoned me. And I was very, very, very upset. I thought I'd been lied to this whole time, my whole life. I felt like all of my past experiences were just poisoned completely. I was unendingly angry. I had never been an angry person before, but I was so full of rage that I had been lied to and this, this was wrong. And really what is anger? At the real heart of it, if not immense sadness, I was just so broken hearted that maybe I wasn't good enough, I wasn't loved enough, I wasn't made right. Um, if I truly believed this was right, then apparently I did something wrong because only the bad people don't get saved at the end, you know. And um, I really, really, really struggled with that. And I looked at everybody else around me and I said, I don't do this the same anymore. I don't fit in this mold anymore. I don't really like church. I don't like to be here. It's just kind of traumatic. I don't want to be a part of it. And so I wanted out. And um, another thing too is I really felt like my place in this world was totally thrown out of whack. My place in sense to everybody else, in sense to my family, in sense to my friends. It's just my whole sense of self just died because I realized how important it is that we have this family unit and these heavenly parents and this brother. Um, and so I looked at everybody else around me and everybody's still in church and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't feel this the same way. I don't do this the same way. It's like it went dead, the spiritual line or whatever went dead. And so maybe I wasn't owed it anymore anyway. And I just, I don't fit here anymore. And also I think too, I, I started to struggle a lot with some mental health stuff. And I really feel like mental health is designed to keep you from engaging in the gospel. I feel like that is a huge part of Satan's plan, honestly, is to inflict it on people. And so um, when you have a lot of anxiety and your brain is just so overwhelmed all the time, you don't hear a still small voice. You don't feel the spirit. There is no way for you to really engage like you could. And so I took all of these signs to be like, I'm depressed. So something's wrong with me. I don't belong here. And so it took a long time of me trying to figure out where i fit in the world and how i feel about myself how i feel about god i was really angry for a long time and sometimes i still slip back into that anger that i'm not very proud of um and i wish i could say it was just a few verses of me trying to figure it out and then everything was fine but it was almost a 10 year long journey of me dipping my head or my toes back in, being like, no, I hate this place. I don't want anything to do with it anymore. I hate this gospel and it hurts too much. Um, and then having a couple of experiences where I really had to be broken down. I had to hit rock bottom and then rock bottom had to open up again and again and again <laughs> until I finally almost like hit my head enough times to be like, okay, I have to figure something out. I have to find my place in this universe. And um, I'm just really grateful that I do believe that this is the truth now. Um, I'm grateful that truly this is the most forgiving religion when it comes to a lot of them. When you really compare them, we have a father that just loves us so much and would do anything to have us come home. And I think the pinnacle of my whole journey was last year, just a little a bit over a year ago, Aaron and I had the chance to be sealed in the temple, which was a long time coming and something that was I had been working on for almost 10 years, and that was really cool. So lots of and ups and downs, but overall... Um, something that I'm really grateful for in hindsight, that I can look back on everything and see where it all mattered.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for sharing. I think that's something I've been learning more and more as we interview more people for this podcast is that it really can be a very long process consisting of many years. Um, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I do find it really interesting how you both have such different stories, but there's some similarities kind of weaved in um, throughout them. So how do you, now that you've been married, you've been sealed, how do you continue to strengthen each other, um, in that regard, in terms of like feeding your faith and growing spiritually together?
2: No, that, that's, a, that's exactly it. And I do feel like although all of our journeys are so different. Like, you know, some of us, uh, are the person who finds their conversion later after they thought that they were converted. And, and others are just like me where it's like, there's gotta be more to life than this. Like there's gotta be something bigger. Like I want to be something better than this. Like I like feeling uncomfortable made me want to join the church and like feeling uncomfortable made you want to leave. Like, it was just interesting. Like, it's true. but because of that, we are the perfect foil for each other because I make things, I make life, and people and judgment, very simple. But I make gospel very complicated. And it's just kind of funny. It's like I look at people who are not simple beings. People are nuanced. And I say, that's no, simple. It's black and white. And then I look at the gospel, which is a very simple black and white thing. And I say, it's really nuanced. I don't understand it. Um, and the reality is it's the opposite. People are nuanced. And there's so many different things between them. But the gospel is simple. And I think Emily helps me understand that. Emily helps me cling to the trunk. It helps me stay grounded and to realize that it's not just about changing my behavior, but changing my heart. I feel like, and you, everyone's got to find somebody who can help you know a different side of Christ that you didn't know. Um, Abraham Lincoln was a, he was a pretty agnostic guy until he lost his son, Willie in the midst of the civil war and he's every life is just hammering this guy like, um, the president and he, one of his, I don't know the exact story or the details, but there was, I believe a maid servant that he had who would still hum hymns and sing so happily. And she had lost two sons and a husband to the civil war. And he asked her, how can you be so happy? And she said, I know Jesus. And he says, can you introduce me? And I feel like that is, what Emily has done for me is that she has gone through darkness she hasn't said much but she's been through a lot of medical complications a lot of familial breakdowns that I have never experienced I have my own things but I have never experienced what she has experienced I've never walked the roads she has walked so I'm not acquainted with the Christ that she has come to know herself I know Christ and he has helped form my character but she embodies a, a, a charity a mercy and a love unfeigned in such a divine way that I I didn't do myself. Helped me see people more nuanced, helped me see Christ more simply. Um, and that was an attribute that I needed. And that is something I wouldn't have had without my relationship to, to Emily. Um, and that's how she has strengthened me.
3: That's funny because I feel like I am going to say almost the exact thing, but just mirror of it. Um, The first thing that came to mind when I was thinking about this actually was um, what Aaron was talking about earlier about how he loves the power to change and the fact that he can always begin again and begin new. And I love that idea too. I love the idea of always working hard and being better, Um, but in like a grand idea, I hate change. I have always hated change. I have been anti-change from the very beginning. Um, to the point where that's what all my temper tantrums were about as kids, and it's what all of my struggles are as an adult. Like, I I just don't handle it well. And early in my life, I think, too, I had a lot of change that was forced upon me that I didn't really get to choose. And so I adopted this outlook that all change is bad. You never change, even if it means that you stay somewhere bad or what is doing is hurting you, you don't change because change is always bad. Um, even on like stupid, basic things, like how I'm sitting sometimes I'm like, it hurts, but I'm not in the mood change. <laughs> I just don't want to move. Um, it's that, it's that deep. And so over the years in my personal experience, I feel like I've learned a lot about Christ as my brother and also as the atonement, how it pertains to suffering. Um, that's kind of what brought me back at the end of it is really breaking it down and seeing like Christ understands what it is to suffer. And that's all that I know right now. Um, and that's what kind of brought me back to him. And so I feel like Christ became such a great validator for me. Um, and an example of what to do with that suffering a little bit. Um, cause I, I think about it all the time. Like I've suffered, Aaron has suffered everybody. I know so many people that are suffering so much and it still haunts me, but it would haunt me so much of like, for what, like, what is the point of all of this suffering? And I love Christ for that reason because it's like he bled from every pore. It was the worst pain ever, and for what? It was so that he could save humanity. And I love that, but at the same time, I'm like, I can't save humanity. Like I am bleeding from every pore in my own personal Gethsemane, and for what? Like, what is the point of this? Um, and so I feel like I really started to understand Christ in a in the dark, so to speak. Um, I understood Gethsemane. I understood the cross. I understood the tomb, and. You know, he, he's put in the tomb and there's these horrible three days of this awfulness before he's resurrected and I feel like I, I lived there for so long I understand that and it was good for me. But then all of a sudden, like, the three days pass and they, they rolled the stone away and all, there was Aaron just, like, standing there waiting for me and he, he wants me to come out. He wants me to come with him and I'm like, no, 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 I don't change. Like, I am for the dark. I am only for the dark and that is it. And he really taught me what it means to change in the light and what it means to step from one place to another and trust that for the first time ever, in some cases, like the ground is going to hold beneath your feet because you have Christ now and you don't have to stay in that suffering. He showed so much patience and so much Christ-like love and was really like, we can change. You can do something else. You don't have to stay in this tomb forever. And he really showed me that yes christ did suffer and he was there but that was not end game gethsemane and the cross and all that was not end game it was a pit stop and christ stopped there for sure but the end game was the happiness the end game was the light and the resurrection and aaron still shows me sometimes when i want to crawl back into my deep dark hole of suffering he shows me that their true change is also adapting to the light true change is, yes, suffering in your darkness, but then what do you do after that? What is the resurrection? What is the happy ending of what happens after that? And I didn't believe that there was anything for me in that way or um, for anybody like me. And so he really showed me in a very like physical sense of we got married and my life got so much fun and so much better because we were together, but also in a very spiritual sense of like Christ wants that for me too. It's not just about suffering it's about being happy and finding joy and changing for the better changing your circumstances changing where you are so that at the end of that day the suffering does mean something not just for Mm -hmm. the point of suffering so this is
1: the suffering which i'm sure hasn't completely stopped i don't know if it ever completely stops for any of us um you mentioned I don't know. Sometimes falling into that trap again of being angry, which I'm sure everyone does to an extent, but how would you both say you continue to trust or as Aaron was saying earlier about hope um in God throughout those challenges? Um, I'm sure it's not all sunshine and rainbow. So how do you stick through it? It's not like you've just made it now, but how do you how do you keep going?
3: No, that's a good question. And it's good to reflect on and think about, honestly, because just like change, I hate I hate trust. I hate the idea of trust. I hate the unknown. Um, I hate faith. It's so hard for me. I am such an anxious individual and I need to be in control. I need to know what's going to happen. Um, and so, the gospel, in a lot of ways, is really kind of goes against a lot of like my core being of like, I don't want to just hope and faith and have faith that things will get better. Like, that doesn't really roll for me. I need to plan. I need a five step plan of what exactly is going to happen. And I need, um, God to send it down on paper or something, somebody to come tell me. And so I really struggle with trust in God. And I feel like we finally, I worked on a part of my relationship where God and I had a relationship that wasn't just built on bitterness and anger and me being so, um, bitter and turned away. But also even when I did come back and I was like, okay, I, I want something again. I want to be a part of this again. I was like but I still don't trust you. Like I still don't know how to do this. I don't know how to hope for something better. It just doesn't make sense to me. And so, um I really have worked on that really hard and it's still something that I struggle with to this day. But um I think specifically of kind of 2019 and leading into 2020 when I started dating Aaron and we were thinking about getting married and there was a lot of change going on outwardly in my life that was coming up and also a lot inwardly. I was at like a weird middle space where gospel-wise where I was a lot better than I had been but I definitely wasn't on the path necessarily either. Like I'd found the iron rod but I hadn't really like grabbed on or anything yet and I, I was still in a lot of ways better than I was but still kind of in the middle and in this darky murky area. And then of course 2020 brought the pandemic which was a whole shift for everybody and I am really good at taking things really personally (laughs) so I felt like well like that's my sign from the universe that you know I should give up and I was so close and it stopped me so now I know that it should just be over it should be done I don't know what I was thinking and I was really stuck with that hopelessness and just like it was for so many people it was such a hopeless and excruciating time and I really, really struggled, and I was at this crossroads again where I'm like, what I decide to do and think and be right now is going to um, determine the rest of my life, and that was really terrifying, and so I was studying faith, and I was really trying to figure it out, and it was probably my first real, like, scripture study that I had done in years and years and years, and I couldn't really find anything that resonated with me, I was deep diving, and I was like, faith is just not for me, like, I'm just not good at it, I can't cope with it. Um, and I finally, after forever, I was doing all of this studying and I finally, it brought me somehow to the book of ether and that story where the people were put in the barges and they had to cross the ocean and they just had the little rocks of light. And what really stuck out to me that I loved so much was, um, nowhere in those few verses that I read, I think it's chapter six, did I ever mention the word faith at all? And I was like, okay, this is something that I can actually like get on board. This is not something that's gonna, you know, remind me of past things that I've been upset about. And so I kept reading. And I thought it was so interesting that um, they're stuck in these barges, the waves are just horrible. They don't know like, are they even ever gonna be get out? Are they gonna drown? What is gonna happen? And I felt like in some way that was kind of a metaphor for what the pandemic felt like too. We were all stuck and where, where are we gonna go and um instead of talking about faith it talked about how they were in such an extreme situation and everyone was really scared and so they spent all day singing praises to god and that really resonated with me because i was like i thought this was going to be one of those stories where it's about faith and then you pray and then everything works out and it wasn't about that at all it was just talked about how they they sang praises all the day long And it really moved me because I was like, that hits home, like that is something that I can do. And so when it comes to faith and me being panicked, like, I don't know, I can't trust, I don't know what to do. I don't know what God has in store for me because clearly he will let bad things happen to me. And that is something that I don't always know how to cope with very well in a trust setting. Um, And so I turn to gratitude and kind of in my brain, I say, okay, We don't know what's going to happen next, but here are some good things that God has given us. Here are some good things that have happened. Um, And I can kind of almost logically tell myself and console myself and be like, if he has done this good, he can do good again. So even though we don't know exactly what's going to happen next, we can trust that eventually, somehow, somewhere, if we look hard enough, there is always going to be something good. And so I kind of use gratitude to fuel my faith in that way.
2: And that's just something that Emily embodies. Um, when I met our mission president at one of uh, my companion's, um, weddings and, and he asked me, um, what was my favorite thing? One thing about Emily, and I'm this is that she's grateful. She embodies that she's grateful for everything. Um, and she, she really like the, I do the smallest things for her and she does not hesitate to like show that gratitude. And I'm very grateful that that is the person she's chosen to be and what the attribute she embodies. Um, for me, uh, trusting in God through challenges, um, it's just interesting. Again, through the lens of somebody who wasn't raised with that culture, but understands the theology, the religion, um, it's so weird. It's like, where where does everybody get the idea that it's all sunshine and rainbows? That is not the what the Church of Jesus Christ of latter days advertises at all, yet somehow well, Like, to me, I was like, oh, that makes sense. This world's so crazy. A, a doomsday church is the thing for me. Like, the the end of the world, like, this is, that sounds right. And then you get in it, and that's not what it's about at all. But it's never, I don't know where, in what scripture story, it really worked out for one of the prophets. Whether it was Joseph Smith or, um, you know, Nephi with his brothers who tried to murder him. Moroni who lost all his like people. um, um I don't know. I can't think of a scripture story where it really everything really worked out, and that to me is why I continue to trust God through challenges. Because that's part of the that's part of life. Like with imagine take out the gospel, and you're left with just challenges. What do those challenges mean? At the end of the day, um, but going back to the gym and the dojo, um, victory was considered the ultimate. Um, weakness, like victory leads to defeat because when you're sparring someone and when you're grappling somebody in combat, the more you win and the more you're not facing someone who's at your level and will challenge you, when you do reach that level of challenge, when you do reach somebody who can match you, you will fall. Victory has defeated you because you never learned. So my dad would always tell me, when you lose a match, you tapped out. You tapped the mat two times because you're yielding. I lose. I'm sorry. He's like, if you are not tapping, you are not learning. So if you want to say that again, if you're not losing, you're not learning. And I think the same thing applies to the gospel. The same thing ap- applies to life. So when I think of challenges, I remember I came, the first time I ever volunteered for a church service, I I, I came and I, I cleaned the church building and th- this amazing um, mother and her little son walked past me and they said, don't worry, you'll be blessed for this. And I said, and and that's a great thing. We should remember we will be blessed for the things we do. But I couldn't wrap my brain. It's like, do we count blessings like currency? That's not anything I've ever studied, anything I've ever read. I'm not promised anything for being a good person. It just means something bigger than that. Not in this life anyway. It's, it's who I become. And that's why I trust God is because I know I've become better by being part of this church. I know he's made me into someone better than I was. And I don't want to go back to being what I was. And I want to become something better than I am. So I trust that God is throwing these challenges at me. He wants me to learn. He wants me to tap. He wants me to lose so that I can learn. And that's not an easy thing. I'm not saying that I'm just like this great person who's like, yeah, come at me challenges. I have it pretty easy. And that's probably because God knows I need to go really slow. (laughs) I just know that life is hard without God infinitely more than with him with him, these challenges mean something. I didn't go, couldn't afford to go to college because it made me realize that there were people out there like me who felt like they didn't belong because they had to drop out of school. I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. I didn't always have the things I wanted because, and I, and I don't know all of the reasons yet. For some things I'm still wondering, yeah, why, why did that happen to me? You know? Um, you know, why, why are we in the scenarios that we are? I, I, I can't think just like, you know, like, well, why an example on the mission? Why couldn't I speak Spanish as good as the next guy? Well, because it made me realize how to communicate without words. I'm a very wordy person. It made me really be more simple. And I can see that now, but at the time, it was like, man, this is hard. I thought I could get this down. I, and you can go back and think, well, am I being disobedient? Did I not have the gift of tongues or whatever? Am I denied the miracle? But in hindsight, which is 2020, no, the miracle was it helped me shut up enough to bear testimony instead of get complicated or argue. or It's just that's how I continue to trust God is I've made it through 100% of my other challenges because of him, and I've always found a reason. And if I haven't found a reason yet, I know it will show itself one day. And it's just supposed to be hard. And and the hardest part is trusting myself. Because I know God, he doesn't move. Whenever I do something wrong, I'm like, oh, I did that. He's up here. He's immovable. That was my fault. I'm to blame. He doesn't want me to do that either. He's like, no, pick yourself back up. You learned. And and it's hard to admit that that was good for me. I, I hate making mistakes. So It's great to learn that like those mistakes were important. Those stumbling blocks are your building blocks to make something better. I don't know.
1: Wow. Well, thank you both so much, not only for those answers, but um, for this entire discussion. I'm very excited for all of our listeners uh, to be able to listen to this episode and connect with what you have said. Um, Just like to give an invitation out there to all of our listeners to share this. Um, you can tag us on our Instagram page and just share with your friends and family. It'll be on all podcast platforms. Um, Just some last thoughts. I was just thinking about want to highlight as we're closing out here, just that true joy comes from finding the right idea of Christ. That sometimes being inspired to make the wrong choice is the best way to make the right choice. Um, This idea of clinging to the trunk um, of true change, meaning being or adapting to the light And that the gospel gives meaning to challenges, because if you are not losing, you are not learning. So I think those are just some of the main highlights that our listeners can look forward to as they um, listen to this episode. And thank you both so much for coming on. We appreciate your time.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Braden. Yep.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: Again, thank you to everyone who participated. If you found yourself Being blessed by listening to that episode, please share it. Don't keep this to yourself, but share it uh, that can bless other people. We know that uh, joy of Jesus Christ is something that we all uh, can encounter and experience. And sharing and discussing it will help people connect with him on a deeper level. Thank you.